Good morning. Um, we are at the top of Yudalit Amabet, 14b. Um, we're going to begin with a question. So we're uh, first line, halfway into the line. And we're going to ask you a question. Choser v'omer emes, o eno choser v'omer emes. Do you repeat the word true, or do you not repeat the word true? So in other words, you just finished the Shema. The last paragraph, you said, Hashem Elokeichem. Uh, MS, the Lord your God is true. The word true is really part of the next paragraph, but we are told that they have to be connected. It has to be connected to the previous paragraph, the last one of Shema. So now what happens if after saying Hashem Elokeichem MS, that the Lord your God is true, you had to take a break for some reason. Either you said hello to somebody, perhaps you were just waiting for the person leading the services to finish the Shema. So you had a little break. Do you continue on with the next paragraph and not repeat the word true, which is really the first word in the next paragraph because you already said it? Or do you repeat the word true as the beginning of the next paragraph? So we answer, Amar You do repeat the word true. Rabba Omar Rabba says, You do not repeat the word true. So um, someone one time went down. Remember, as I said, the leader leader of the services used to go downwards. But there'd be like a almost like a a pit for them to daven in, to pray from. So he went down in front of Raba. So he was leading the services in front of Raba. Shamei Raba the Amar Ms Ms Chezimni, and Raba heard the leader of the services say the word true two times. Amar Raba Raba says Kol Ms Ms Lahai. This person is trying to grasp all these truths. In other words, he wasn't happy that he repeated the word true, and um, that would seem to show us that Rabbah believes that you do not repeat the word true. Okay, so that's the end of that. We are now at Amar of Yosef, one, two, three, four, five, six lines down from the bottom. Um, Amar of Yosef, Rav Yosef says, Kama Malyasa Hashmaitza. Um, how wonderful was the teaching, the Chiyasar Shmuel Bar Yehuda Amar, this teaching of Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda when he came from Israel. Amri B'ma'arava, they would say in um, in the West, which again is Israel, Arvis, at night, this is what they would say, at night, this is what they would say for the last paragraph of Shema, they would say, Speak to the children of Israel and tell them, I am the Lord your God. Um, true. So, um, what do we see? We see that they wouldn't say the entire third paragraph of Shema in the evening. They had this very abbreviated way of saying the third paragraph, and that was it. That's what they would do in Israel. Abaye says, My mal yusa. So Abaye said, you just referred to this as a wonderful teaching. Why is it such a special teaching? That you do not need to begin the third paragraph of the Shema in the evening. But if you did begin it, Gomer, you need to finish it off. So if this person, so Rav Yosef for this teaching is basically telling us that you start the third paragraph of Shema and you do not finish it off. You just do this very abbreviated version. But didn't we learn that if you start the third paragraph, you must finish it in its entirety? So why is this such a wonderful teaching? It seems to contradict a, uh, the teaching of Rav Kahana in the name of Rav. So he answered, So now perhaps you'll say that 
it's not really considered beginning the paragraph when you just say what they would say in Israel of Dabero B'nai Israel, speak to the children of Israel and tell them because you don't you don't continue on uh, um, with the next part of the verse that says what you should tell them. So perhaps it's it's as if you never really even started the third paragraph of the Shema, and therefore you don't need to finish it, and you could just say this paraphrased version. But that can't be. The Hummer of Shmuel Bar Yitzchak Rav, but dinner of Shmuel Bar Yitzchak say in the name of Rav, Daber al Bnei Yisrael lo have haschala. That um, that if you say the word, speak to the children of Israel, then it's not considered as if you have started the paragraph, and therefore you wouldn't need to finish it. But but if you say the words and you shall say to them, even if you don't finish that part of the verse, have haschala, that's considered beginning the paragraph which would then obligate you to finish the paragraph in its entirety. So we still have a question as to why we felt this teaching of, of, um, of Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda was such a wonderful teaching if it seems to have contradicted um, the lesson of Rav. So we're going to uh, give one answer now. So Amor Rav Papa. So Rav Papa wants to give an answer for why it's a good teaching. Kasavri Bama Rava. In Israel, this is what they felt. The words of, and you shall tell them, right? So it's speak to the children of Israel and you shall tell them. That's the beginning of the third paragraph of Shema. In Israel, they didn't believe that saying that much was considered as, as, as if you began the paragraph. Until you say the words and you shall tell them that they should make for themselves sitzis, they should make for themselves the ritual fringes. Um, but as long as you didn't get to the part about the ritual fringes, it's as if you never began the paragraph, so you wouldn't have an obligation to recite the entire paragraph then. And therefore, in Israel, it makes sense what they do when they just paraphrase it with those simple words. Um, okay, so Omar Abaye. So Abaye says, Hilkach, so therefore, with this in mind, Ananas we begin saying the third paragraph of Shema, like they do in Israel by saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them. Okay, we definitely say that. Um, learning from the people in Israel that they say that. To kamas chali ba'araba, just like they do, just like they started off in Israel. And because we started it off here, and because we say those words, it's as if we began the Shema, the third paragraph of Shema. So we have to finish it off in its entirety. So therefore, us in Babylonia, we say the entire third paragraph of Shema in the evening. Because Rav Kahana said in the name of Rav, you don't need to begin the first, the third paragraph of Shema in the evening. But if you did, Gomer, you must finish it off in its entirety. Because we start it the way they do in Israel, and we consider that a real starting, we have to finish it off in its entirety. Okay, so that's, um, we're going to talk a little bit more now about the third paragraph of Shema. In the evening specifically, If you said the words, so you said the third paragraph of Shema, and you finish with the words, I am Hashem your God, um, then you need to say, you need to continue with the word true. You have to say, I am the Lord your God, MS, it is true. Lo Amar Ani Hashem Elokechem. If you did not say the words of "I am the Lord your God" um, in the evening Shema, then Enot Sarich Lomar Emes. You do not need to say the word "true" or "it is true." So the 
probably the, the, the simplest way to explain what we just read is as follows. If you said the third paragraph of Shema, then you have to finish it off with the next paragraph, which is the beginning of, the, of the, one of the blessings after the Shema. You have, to be, you have to finish it off with the word, it is true. And then once you're saying it is true, you actually have to say that entire blessing, the entire uh, next paragraph. If you did not say the third paragraph of Shema in the evening, so therefore you never said the words, I am Hashem, your God, then you do not need to say, MS, you do not need to say the word, it is true, and you don't need to then say that entire paragraph that begins with the word, it is true. That's how, that's the basic way to understand, that's the easiest way to understand what we just read. And now we're going to have a question. How could you tell me that if you didn't say the third paragraph of Shema, then you don't need to say the next paragraph, the blessing after the Shema, but it's it's only in the third paragraph of Shema and in the blessing after directly after Shema that you have any mention of coming out of Egypt. And don't we know you need to recite coming out of Egypt in the evening as well? And you're telling me that you don't have to say any of this stuff, so you'll miss out on mentioning coming out of Egypt. So we answer, Da'amar Hachi. So we say, um, you certainly need to say, you what, what we mean when we say that you don't need to say the third paragraph, the third paragraph of Shema and the last, and that blessing that comes directly after it, we don't mean that you completely skip the blessing that comes directly after it. Rather, you just can, you can paraphrase it in the following way. Um, we give thanks to you, uh, Lord our God, for taking us out of Egypt, and for redeeming us from the house of our bondage, and perform for us miracles, and mighty deeds on the sea, and we sang to you, and then you would finish with the words of the first blessing after the Shema. So yes, you do not need to say the third the third paragraph of the Shema or the entire text of the blessing of the that comes directly after Shema, but you still need to say this paraphrased version of it, which mentions coming out of Egypt, and that would be appropriate. Okay, so that is the end of that topic, and now we are going to go back and uh, discuss the the, on, on the next passage in the Mishnah. Okay, so we are at the colon, basically kind of in the middle um, of the page, and we're going to analyze what Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha said. Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha tried to explain the order of the the order of the paragraphs of Shema. The first paragraph is first because that's where you accept the yoke of heaven. The second paragraph is second because that's when you accept the yoke of the mitzvot, of the commandments. And the second paragraph comes before the third paragraph because the second paragraph mentions Torah learning, which is a mitzvah both day and night, whereas the third paragraph is focused on the tzitzit, which is only a mitzvah during the day. So it makes sense to first talk about a mitzvah that's for both day and night and then finish off with a mitzvah that's just for the day. That was the order that was the explanation for the order of the paragraphs of Shema according to Rabbi Shua ben Karcha. Now we're going to share another understanding of the order of Shema and why it was like this. Tanya Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, Omer. Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, so we learned in Abraham, so Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai says, It makes sense to have the paragraph of Shema, which is the first paragraph, before the paragraph of, um, and it will be. Which is the second paragraph. 
because the first paragraph talks about Torah learning, whereas the second paragraph talks about teaching Torah. So we should talk about learning before teaching. The second paragraph should come before the third paragraph, which is called Vayomer, the third paragraph. Because the second paragraph talks about teaching, and the third paragraph talks about performing the mitzvot. So teaching should come before performance of the mitzvot. So now we're going to ask about this. Atu shma lilmod ispe. So now what we said is that the first paragraph talks about learning Torah. But are, are we saying that it only has a mention of learning Torah? But there's no mention of teaching Torah and performing the mitzvot. The haksiv, but doesn't it say clearly? Vishinantam, and you shall teach. Ukshartam, and you shall bind, which is the performance of the mitzvot. Uktavtam, and you shall write. Again, another performance of the mitzvot. So the first paragraph of Shema has everything. Why did we characterize it as only having learning Torah? Visu, and furthermore. The Hayyaim Shomoa. The second paragraph of Shema, Lelamed Hu Ispe, are you going to tell me that all it has is teaching Torah? The Lasos Lespe, and there's nothing about the performance of the mitzvot? The Haksiv, but in the second paragraph, it says, Ukshartam Uchasavtam. Um, I'm sorry, Ukshartem Uchasavtam. It says, You shall bind and you shall write, which is obviously performance of the mitzvot. So, what exactly does this Brysa mean when it characterizes these different paragraphs as such? So this is what it really means. Ella hachikama. Rather, this is what it really means. Bedinhu she takdim shma levahaya im shema. It makes sense that the paragraph of shema, the first paragraph, should come before vahaya im shema, the second paragraph of shema. Shezeh lilmod ulilamed vilasos. Because the first paragraph of shema discusses learning Torah, teaching Torah, and the performance of the mitzvot. Vahaya im shema, whereas the paragraph of the second paragraph, vahaya im shema. Uh, Levayomer should come before Vayomer. Why? Because the second paragraph has teaching Torah and performance of mitzvot. And Vayomer in Ba El Alasos Bilvad, whereas the third paragraph, Vayomer, only talks about performance of the mitzvot. So that would nicely explain the order. But now that this is the case, that we have a second understanding as to um, as to understanding the order of the Shema, why one paragraph is put before the next. The question is, is what did this Brisa, Rabbi Shem ben Yochai, not like about the reason given in the Mishnah from Rabbi Shul ben Karcha? Why didn't they just, why did they need another reason, basically? So we answer, so we ask, Now why don't we just learn the reason for the order from Rabbi Shul ben Karcha, who said it explicitly in the Mishnah? Why we have a specific order? So we answer, This Brisa agreed with Rabbi Shua ben Karcha's reason. It was just giving another answer, another explanation. So, one and another is what this was explaining, was, was this, is what this was adding on. The first reason to understand the order was, like we said in the Mishnah, so that we would first accept upon ourselves the yoke of heaven. And after that, you would accept upon yourself the yoke of the commandments. The ode, and then we have another reason, which was the one we mentioned in the Brisa, is because the first Shema, the first paragraph of Shema had these extra things that the one, an, an extra thing that the second didn't have, and the second one paragraph had some extra, an extra thing that the third paragraph doesn't have. So there are two reasons given, but there's no argument in the reasons. Okay, ra okay. 
So um, now we're going to uh, talk about a story. Again, having to do with Shema. Rav Masha Yode. So Ra Rav got up in the morning, washed his hands, and then he read Shema, and then he put on his Tefillin, and he prayed. So we're going to ask, So by the way, we're, we're two lines down now uh, before the lines get wide. So Vehechi Avid Hachi. Now how could Rav have done like this, specifically saying Shema before putting on Tefillin? Vahatanya, didn't we learn in a Brisa? Hachofer Kuch If you are in the middle of basically digging a grave, um Patur, so that means you're involved in doing a mitzvah. Patur mi Kriyashma, you're exempt from saying Shema, Uminatfilin, Uminatfila, Uminatfilin. You're also exempt from Davening from prayer and from putting on tefillin. Umikol mitzvahs ha and you're exempt from any mitzvah that is said in the Torah because you're involved with a different mitzvah. Higiazman kriyashma, once the time of Shema comes, to say Shema comes, ole, you get up from digging, venotal yadav, and you wash your hands, umaniach tefillin, and then you put on your tefillin, vikari kriyashma, and then you say Shema vimispalel, and then you pray. So before getting to what exactly the question is from this b'raisa, we're just going to ask a question within this brisa. Hagufa kashana. It seems to be this brisa contradicts itself. Reisha Amar Pater. The first part of the brisa says that if you're involved in digging a grave, you're Pater. You're exempt from saying the Shema and other mitzvot. Whereas the next part of the brisa says that if Shema, the Shema time comes, you have to stop digging and, involve, and say the Shema. So which one is it? So we answer Halo Kasha. This is not a question. Seifa betray. The end of the brisa, which says that you have to stop and do some and um, do, say Shema and wash your hands, that's talking about where there's two people digging. So you leave that person digging and you go and involve yourself in the other mitzvah. Veresha, and then you will do the same exact thing. Once you're done, the other person will go up and you dig. You'll be digging. Veresha bechad, and the first part, which says you do not stop digging, that's talking about when there's only one person. If there's only one person, then you're involved in one mitzvah. You don't do a different mitzvah. But now we're going to ask the question on Rav, because we said that Rav would say Shema before putting on tefillin. We have a question on Rav, because the Brisa that we just read about the grave digging specifically said that you put on tefillin and then you say Shema. So what's the story? So we answer, Rav Kribishua ben Karcha Sfirale. So we say, Rav holds like Kribishua ben Karcha. Who says that accepting upon yourself the yoke of heaven comes and only after that do you accept upon yourself the yoke of the mitzvot. So first the yoke of heaven, then the yoke of the mitzvot. And that's exactly what would happen here. You would first say Shema, which is accepting upon yourself the yoke of heaven, and only then put on tefillin, which is about which is performance of the mitzvot. But now we're going to say no. This is not what Rabbi Shua ben Karcha had in mind. Really, we should, we, perhaps we should say that Rabbi Shua ben Karcha only meant what he said when it came to deciding which, which paragraph to read first. So you read a paragraph about accepting the yoke of heaven before you read the paragraph about accepting the yoke of the mitzvot. But we never heard him say this in reference to reciting a paragraph of Shema before doing an actual mitzvah. We never heard him say that, so we can't say that that's what Rav felt like, that Rav was like Rabbi Shua ben Karcha, because we don't know to apply Rabbi Shua ben Karcha in such a scenario. 
Vesu, and furthermore, it seems that Rav doesn't even agree to Rabbi Shua ben Karcha. Mi savar like Rabbi Shua ben Karcha. Does Rav even agree with Rabbi Shua ben Karcha? The Hamar Rechia bar Ashi, Dinner of Chia bar Ashi, say, Zinan Sagin, Havi Kaimna Kameda Rav. Many times I would be standing in front of Rav. Umakdim. And he would get up early, and he would wash his hands, and he would make a blessing, the blessing before the learning the Torah. And then he would teach us. And only then would he put on his tefillin. And only after that would he say the Shema. So we see that Rav anyways would disagree with this application of what Rabbi Shob and Karcha said, because we see that Rav would teach the Torah, which is doing a mitzvah, before saying Shema before accepting upon himself the yoke of heaven. So that obviously cannot be Rav's thinking the way we wanted to explain him. Now perhaps that's not a really good proof because maybe that story where Rav would first teach Torah before saying Shema, maybe that's where it wasn't yet time to say the Shema. So of course you should be learning Torah first until the time of Shema comes. But if that's the case... But im kain, but if that's the case that it was too early to say Shema, my asahadateh Rav Chiyabar Ashi, what exactly is Rav Chiyabar Ashi coming to teach us? It's obvious that if the time of Shema hasn't come yet, then of course you should involve yourself in learning Torah. What exactly, what novel idea was Rav Chiyabar Ashi trying to teach us about Rav? It must be that it, the time of Shema already came, and yet what we're teaching is, is that it's appropriate to learn Torah before saying Shema. So, um, so we, so we must find another explanation for Rav as to that one time why he put said the Shema before putting on the tefillin. Um, so then we say perhaps Lafukimanda Amar Lemishna in Sarich Levarich. Now perhaps, perhaps no. Perhaps the idea there was that it was time, it was before the time to say Shema, and that's why Rav learned Torah first, taught Torah first before saying the Shema. Um, but what about the question of if that's the case, then what was Rav Chiyav Arashik trying to teach us? So perhaps what he was trying to teach us was, is to exclude from the person that says that you do not need to say the blessings before learning when all you are learning is the Mishnah. Kamash Malan, perhaps that's what Rav Chiyav was trying to teach us by testi testifying about Rav's conduct. Kamash Malan, to teach us the Afla Mishnah, Nami Tzarech that even... For learning Mishnah, you need to make the blessings of the Torah beforehand. Um, but nonetheless, Mikol Makom Kasha Larab. But nonetheless, what we still have is a question on Rav from the Brisa. Rav said that you say Shema before. Rav one time said Shema before putting on the tefillin, whereas the Brisa says you put tefillin on before Shema. So he answers Shluchahu de Avis. It was the messenger that messed it up. That really, of course, Rav would have put tefillin on before saying Shema. But this was a specific case where a messenger was supposed to be bringing Rav his tefillin. And the messenger did not get to Rav before the time of the end of saying Shema. So Rav was forced, forced to first say Shema and only then put on his tefillin. Amar Ula, again, this is based on the same concept, Amar Ula. So again, we're at the two dots, the last two lines on the page. Amar Ula, Ula says, Anybody that reads Shema without tefillin on, it's as if you testified a false testimony upon yourself, because within the words of the Shema are the obligation to put on tefillin, and here you're saying Shema without having tefillin on. 
Amr Bar Abba, Amr Rabbi Yochan, Rabbi Bar Abba said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, Ki'ilu Hikriv Ola Belo Mincha, saying Shema without filling is as if you brought your uh, your daily Ola sacrifice, this is one that was completely burnt, without its necessary flower offering, V'zevach Belo Nesachim, or a different type of offering, it's as if you brought it without its um, necessary libations. We will stop here. We're at the two dots on the bottom of 14b. Let's just quickly go over this. We first talked about do you repeat the word it um, ms? It's true if you um, took a little, if you had to break for a moment um, uh, when you're done with the third paragraph of Shema. Um, then we talked about then we talked about um, what you're supposed to say in the evening. You have to say the third paragraph in the evening. We went back and forth talking about it. We talked about Israel's custom and Babylonia's custom. And then we talked about um, the necessity to say, to mention coming out of Egypt at, even at night and how to fulfill that if you're not going to be saying the third paragraph of Shema or the next blessing or the entire content of the next blessing. And then we began to analyze the next part of the Mishnah, which was about the order of the Shema. And we brought a second explanation as to as to explain the order of the Shema. Um, and then we talked about saying Shema without your tefillin on, or saying Shema without your tefillin and what the proper order with that is. And we came to a conclusion. And um, that is the end of the story for today. Have a wonderful day. And uh, thanks for listening.